We are in the season of Lent. Lent is a time in the church calendar where throughout the world, the church focuses on specific themes of Christian spirituality, whether themes are repentance and uh, weakness and fasting and limits. And today we're going to look at the theme of loss. And this is really an, un an unorthodox text for Lent, uh, but I believe God's going to meet us in some fresh ways as we look at this passage today. Uh, so uh, Judges chapter 20, beginning in verse 15, hear the word of the Lord. It says, At once the Benjamites mobilized 26,000 swordsmen from their towns, in addition to 700 able, able men from those living in Gibeah. Among all these soldiers, there were 700 select troops who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. That passage, uh, verse 16, is where I want to focus on. Among all these soldiers, there were 700 select troops who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. I typically have one title for my sermons. Today I have two titles, okay? You get, you get the double bonus today. Um, the, my first title is that Resilience in the Face of Loss. My more fun title is Learning to Fight Left-Handed. Learning to Fight Left-Handed. And so to make this sermon work, you're going to have to help me. I, I'd like to invite everyone, just raise your left hand as high as you ever possibly can. Just everyone raising your left hand because you're going to help me preach today, okay? And uh, the person next to you, just give them a high five and tell them, don't give up. Don't give up. It's got to be with the left hand. It's got to be with the left hand. Don't give up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us in a profound way this day. May we see loss in a new way. May we see you in a new way. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Uh, studies have shown that we live in a right-handed world, that we live in a right-handed world. Uh, things are made with right-handed uh, people in mind, whether they're hand tools or machines or even doors. These things are designed primarily with, with uh, right-handed people in mind. Now, statistically, this seems to be legitimate because studies have shown that uh, 12% or so of people are left-handed. But although this percentage of left-handed people is low in our world, I came across a very impressive list of left-handed people. Let me share some of these people with you. One uh, left-handed person that we have come to know is Albert Einstein, just left-handed Albert Einstein. Our president, Barack Obama, is a left-handed uh, writer, left-handed person. I uh, found out Oprah this past week uh, is left-handed. I did some extensive research and found out that Chewbacca is left-handed, okay? That even Chewbacca is left-handed. I'm just telling you what I see, okay? Just that Chewbacca confirmed to be left-handed. And uh, yours truly is also uh, left-handed. 
I'm sure I missed the shot, but that picture looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. I'm sure the guy stole the ball from me and everything, but right there in that moment, I was looking really, really good. When we think about being left-handed, left-handed doesn't seem to be anything of, uh, of any consequence. Why should left-handed people be uh, spiritually significant? But what we're going to see today as we look at this passage is why we are to fight left-handed and what that means for us in this season of Lent. This passage is actually a very profound passage. Among all these soldiers, there were 700 chosen men who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. The book of Judges is the seventh book in the Old Testament, and the number seven, and biblically speaking, uh, tends to speak of perfection, tends to speak of wholeness. But even though the book of Judges is the seventh book of the Old Testament, the book of Judges is anything but perfect. The book of Judges is anything but whole. The book of Judges describes the chaotic existence of the people of God. And if you read through the book of Judges, you see there's just chaos upon chaos, the chaotic existence. And this chaotic existence had a pattern that repeated itself over and over and over. And the pattern looks something like this. The people of God would disobey God. And what would then happen is, is enemies would come into the land to oppress the people of God. The people of God would then cry out for rescue and God would send a prophet. The prophet would rescue them and peace would enter into the land. And then the cycle would continue. The people of God would forget God and be disobedient towards God. They would be judged because of their disobedience. They would cry out to God. God would send the prophet. The prophet would rescue them. There was peace in the land. And then it repeated again. They disobeyed God and forgot God. They cried out to God. God sent the prophet. The prophet delivered them. They worshiped God. And the cycle continued. It basically is what we go through in a given week. We feel good about God, and next thing you know, we forget about God, and something happens. We cry out to God. God rescues us. Peace comes. We forget about God again. The book of Judges is our story. The book of Judges is our lives. And so what we see in the book of Judges is an ongoing uh, sense of just war and battle. And this is what we see in our text today. Now, I don't want to go too deep into the surrounding context, but I do want to focus on that verse, verse 16, because it's a powerful uh, story that struck me a couple of weeks ago. It's about 700 men that happen to be left-handed. Now, this is a curious thing because biblically, being left-handed is not something that is celebrated in the Bible. It's not celebrated. The scriptures are strongly biased towards the right hand. In Hebrew culture, uh, uh, the right hand is the hand of blessing. It's the hand of strength. It's the hand of unique capacity. It's the hand of dignity. It's the hand of honor. People want to sit at your right hand. It's the place of ultimate position. When the Bible speaks about God, it doesn't say, and God stretched out his left hand. It says, no, and God stretched out his right hand. There are over 100 favorable verses as it pertains to the right hand. And yet, these 700 men are celebrated not because of their right hand, but because of their left hand. Now, why are these uh, men left-handed and why should it matter to us during Lent? This is what we're going to explore. 
Now, why were they uh, left-handed? Perhaps they were just born that way. That's possible and plausible. They were born left-handed. And they, these 700 men, they said, who else is left-handed? And they got in their uh, left-handed tribe and said, let's just be left-handed together. And, and, and they connected that way. Perhaps they were just born that way. Or perhaps they discovered that there was some kind of strategic advantage that they had against the enemy if they were left-handed. Perhaps if we fought with our left hand and, and slung a stone with our left hand, perhaps we had some kind of strategic advantage. That is possible and that is plausible. But what I would say is there is a, a reason why these men are left-handed. The first reason just doesn't do justice to, and the second reason doesn't do justice to either. And you can't really uh, understand the, the, the significance of this verse here until you understand what the word left-handed means in the original language, in the Hebrew language. The original uh, word for left-handed is this here, bound in the right hand. Bound in the right hand. The reason these men are left-handed is because their right arms have been damaged. And what many scholars say is damaged in previous battles. These men were the disabled veterans of their day. And through these battles, they experienced loss, significant loss. And this passage here, loss of their right arm, bound in their right arm. Now, all of us know what it's like to lose something, know what it's like to experience loss, know what it's like, as it were, to experience uh, loss, uh, to lose an arm in battle. We know what it's like to be wounded. Life has a way of wounding you. It's impossible to go through life without experiencing loss, impossible to go through life without experiencing difficulty. One of my favorite a quote comes from some attributed to Plato. It says that uh, be kind because everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. You're either in a battle, you just came out of a battle, or you're heading into a battle. But life many times is a battle. Some of you are in it today. Some of you just came out of it. Some of you are walking into it. All of us in this room knows what it's like to experience battle. No one is exempt from brokenness. No one is exempt from pain. You can be refined on the outside, look fantastic on the outside. No one is exempt from pain, no matter how you look, no matter how much you make, no matter what your job is, whether you're single or married, whatever. All of us in this room have experienced at one time or another pain, loss, battle. We know what it's like to lose something vital in our lives. We lose relationships. Relationships that at one point were perhaps long-standing and somehow, maybe through conflict, maybe just through time and distance, they, they just dissolved. And the relationship that you thought would never change dissolves away. Divorce comes. And something that you thought was just going to last, a marriage that was just going to last, and pain and loss comes our way. We experience loss. We experience loss in jobs that we've had perhaps for years or thought, I'll be here for a while. I'm setting the trajectory of my life. I know where I'm going to be in five years. And all of a sudden, they let you go. All of a sudden, there's, now you don't have a job. We've all experienced loss. We lose our security. We lose our sense of control. We lose our health. 
Two years ago, in this month of March, I, I, I had two uh, growing lymph nodes coming out, just bulging out of my neck, and found out that it was like this lymphatic tuberculosis. And just, just growing out, I was, I was fatigued all the time. I couldn't eat. And at that moment, for the next couple of months or so, trying to figure out what is this problem, uh, doing biopsies. And I could tell you there was a sense of deep loss of control, loss of security. Lord, what's going to happen in the next couple of months? What's happening in the next year? What's happening tomorrow? Loss. We lose our health. We lose our hair. Someone sent me a, a video, Pastor Rich, look how much hair you had a couple of years ago. I was just like, thank you. I think I'm thanking you for this. I had the curls at one point, man. I used to go gel and mousse, and it was just beautiful. Just before, I mean, and loss. Lord, help us. Loss. Our children move out of our home, and we feel a sense of loss adjustment. Our parents age, and there's loss. Many children lose their childhood because they had to grow up way too fast. Loss is inevitable. Even in good things, loss comes. The addition of children, we celebrate it. It's a beautiful thing, but we also experience loss even in good things. We lose our freedom. We lose our spontaneity. We lose our money. I mean, we experience great loss. There are times I go, oh, honey, Rosie, let's go watch that movie. She goes, we got two kids. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, we'll watch it next month then. But by that time, it's going to be out on Netflix. You know, just it, it, loss. We experience loss. From time to time, loss will come our way. Big losses and small losses that don't even feel like really small losses. And it's one thing uh, to experience loss. It's another thing to how do we respond when loss comes our way? And the way that we respond to our brokenness and the way that we respond to our loss really tells the story of our lives and tells the story of the God that we believe in. When you respond to loss in a resilient way, God is able to do something inside of you and through you that is impossible with us giving up. And we see it with these men in this passage. These 700 men, although they were the disabled veterans of the day, they did not accept honorable discharge. Instead of retiring because of their previous injuries, they could have collected a check, they could have retired. Instead of retiring, these men re-enlisted. They went into a new kind of training camp and practiced until they could use their left hand to sling a stone at a target the, the width of a hair and not miss. And so learning to be left-handed, learning to fight left-handed means that we don't give up when life gets difficult. That means by the grace of God that we continue in spite of the losses that come our way. And this is not easy, but by the grace of God, we can do it. These men had to learn something new. If you've ever broken your strong arm, you know the difficulty of adjusting to life. If you ever had to uh, a sling in your arm where you couldn't use it for whatever reason, try signing your name with your offhand. Try throwing the ball with your offhand. Try doing just about anything with your offense. It's very difficult. It's very challenging. But these men became so 
skill that they could, with their weak arm, which was weak, throw a stone at a target the width of a hair and not miss. This was resilience personified. This was perseverance exemplified. And the question is, how could they do this? How could they lose so, something so vital as an arm and yet resolve to keep on going, yet resolve to continue fighting? I think I can give you a few reasons and what it means for us in this season of Lent. Because all of us, loss comes our way. We want to give up. We, we say, why should I even continue with God? Why continue with prayer? Why continue with scripture? Why continue with small group? Why continue with anything? Sometimes you, sometimes you just want to give up. And yet, these men are resilient, and there's a few reasons why. And I want to do for the rest of our time, I just want to unpack four reasons why these uh, men, these fighters, were able to re be resilient in the face of loss and what it means for you and I. The first reason why these men were able to uh, be resilient and become left-handed fighters was first of all because they were able to face and grieve their loss. They face their loss. When loss comes our way, we very often deny it. We minimize it. We get angry about it. We distract ourselves so that we don't have to think about the loss that has come our way. Addiction has become uh, the most common way that we deal with the pain of loss. And so we watch television for hours to not feel. We keep busy running from one activity to another. But as difficult as it is, God is coming to us through our loss. But until we begin to face it, by the grace of God, through the power of the Spirit, until we begin to face it, it is only until we do that that God can bring his healing. I would say it this way. God has a hard time, as, as powerful as God is, God has a hard time healing stuff that we refuse to face. And so if we, if we, if we refuse to face it, God has a hard time healing. Now it makes sense why Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. God's saying, I got comfort waiting for you. But until you face it, until you mourn it, until you grieve it, there is a, a, a reality of my healing grace and power that's not available until you get there. And so these men had to face their limits. They had to grieve their losses. And at New Life, we talk about three uh, phases of grief that we pay attention to our grief and pain, to our losses that we wait in the confusing in-between, that some of you, you've experienced some kind of loss and now you're waiting and that's part of the process, that you're waiting in the very confusing in-between and we let the old birth the new, that somehow God is birthing something new out of some significant losses that have come our way. And so these men were able, they had no choice but to face it. They lost an arm in battle. They could not ignore it. They could not deny it. They had to face it, and they had to grieve it. Now, as a parent, I, I've had to wrestle with the loss of just parenting. Parenting is all-consuming. You're never off the clock. Your time is really yours. And I've had to offer this to God. There are moments when just sadness comes. Anger comes. 
stepping on Cheerios all the time. <laughs> Anger and sadness, I'm blaming everybody. I'm miserable, I'm blaming you and you and you and you. And loss has come. And more and more, I, I, God has been leading me to just grieving loss and, and, and allowing the old to birth the new. That loss comes our way. But until we begin to face it, we often cannot become free from the things that we are angry and sad about. When we grieve, when we face our losses, we, we don't do it as an exercise of, of just feeling sad. We do it in the presence of a God who wants to redeem our pain, redeem our sadness, redeem our anger. I love how now in says where he says, ultimately grieving means facing what wounds us in the presence of one who can heal. That whatever loss comes our way, instead of being distracted and avoiding, that we offer our sadness, we offer our anger, we offer our grief to God, and somehow, mysteriously, in this simple act of acknowledging and facing my, my sadness and grief and anger, God does something beneath the surface of my life that is really mysterious and hard to explain. But until we begin to face it, we miss out on what God wants to do in us and through us. These men had to face it in order to be resilient, in order to persevere. The other reason why these men were able to persevere in the face of, of losing an arm and becoming uh, left-handed men of battle was because they had friendship. Friend, these, these, they had each other. There were 700 men with the same condition. And because they had the same condition, they were able to support each other. And we all need each other. I'm certain that these 700 men did not uh, learn how to throw left-handed at the same pace. I'm sure some of them learned very quickly. And then others, it took a while to learn. But because they came to each other with their brokenness, there was a sense of safety there. There was a, a, a culture of encouragement there. There was a culture of, 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 of compassion there, suffering with each other. And the only way that we can become resilient is by having that kind of community, a safe community, an encouraging community, a compassionate community. You cannot be resilient on your own. You need people. Listen, I was watching Castaway. Even Tom Hanks had Wilson, okay? You need somebody in your life. <laughs> we can't do it alone. I imagine sometimes they, some just want to give up. How long did it take them to throw a stone at a, at a target the size of a hair? How long did it take? And some said, listen, I'm done with this. It's over. And, and no, keep on throwing. Keep on throwing. You're going to get there. Keep on throwing. It took me a while. You're going to get there. And this is what we need. We need community. This is why when we gather for Sunday worship, it's just so critically important. That we're singing together, praying for each other. This is why small groups become so important. Volunteering becomes so important because we cannot persevere. We cannot be resilient in the face of loss by ourselves. One of my favorite African proverbs, which I, I've quoted from time to time, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. 
If you want to be resilient, if you want to persevere, you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You need people from time to time that are going to just, uh, just uh, uh, bear your burdens with you. Be with you in pain. I love Lord of the Rings. I love, I've watched Lord of the Rings, and there's a, a scene in Lord of the Rings where Frodo, he's about to bring the ring to Mordor. He's exhausted. He's tired. Uh, uh, you know, principalities and powers are coming against Frodo, and Sam, his best friend, is with him. He cannot carry the ring because the ring is going to corrupt him, and he says, Frodo, I, I cannot bear your ring, but I can carry you. I cannot carry it, but I can carry it. And he picks them up and begins to journey towards Mordor. And I thought, what a beautiful picture. We can all of us have our own unique loss and we experience our own our loss in unique ways. But we can carry each other. We can bear the burdens of each other. These 700 men, how could they be resilient through loss? Because they had community. Because they had friendship. They had people with them. They were able to be honest about their weakness. The church is to be the place, above every other place, where we have permission to be human. Where we have permission to be honest about our weaknesses, our brokenness, and experience the kind of life, a giving community, that makes us left-handed fighters. These men had each other. They had friendship. They had community. You need people cheering you on. The other reason why these men were able to uh, be resilient, and, 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 I, and I just reading this passage, and I'm throwing myself in the story and realize the reason they were able to be resilient, they understood that resilience takes time. To learn something new takes time. To adjust to life takes time. And when you're accustomed to using one arm and that arm is no longer usable, it takes time to adjust to the new realities of life. It takes time. And one of my biggest temptations is I want to uh, see big time results in a short amount of time. I want to see it fast. But when we experience significant change, change and adjustment does not come fast is many times slow. And we are to stick with the slow process. Working out for me has become a slow process. Some of you can see I, I work out, as you probably can tell. Uh, I really don't work out. And a friend of mine, I said, you know, I, I want to build some muscle. I want to just, uh, you know, I, I just want to, I, I just want to get a little stronger, a little. And, and, he, and he said, "I'll give you an assignment. Give me the assignment." He said, "Very simple." I said, "I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to lift weights. Give me, do some, just do some push-ups." I said, "How many push-ups?" Yeah, do as many push-ups in 15 minutes as you can. I said, "I'm there." I did 50, I, my first time around, I did about 75, 80 push-ups, exhausted, you know, passing out on the floor, 15 minutes and all that there. The first thing I did after uh, of doing 80 push-ups, the first thing I did, and you know what I did, is I went right to the bathroom to look at myself in the mirror. Because I was feeling diesel. I was feeling like, I was feeling like, I'm like, I'm pretty swollen today. This, this is fantastic. And so I go, I'm looking, and, and I'm going, man, it doesn't look like how I feel. 
You know, I, I feel. And then Rosie, come over here, honey. What do you think? And she goes, think about what? I just did 80 push-ups. You did? <laughs> I don't see you. Keep going. And the next day, 80 push-ups. The next day, 90 push-ups. The next day, 100 push-ups. I got to a point where I was doing 300 push-ups in 15 minutes. 300 push-ups in 15 minutes. I said, Rosie, what do you think now? She said, oh, I can see something now. Now we're making some progress. I'm back to 80 push-ups. I just stopped doing all the push-ups. I'm, I'm back to the beginning again. But these things take time. We want, like, we, we want to put a minimal amount of effort in a short amount of time and want fantastic results. But to adjust to new realities of life, especially in loss, takes time. If you've been married for 20 years and the relationship ends, it's going to take time to adjust to a new reality. If you've been in a job for a certain amount of time and that job ends, it's going to take time to adjust to a new reality. It's going to take time to learn some new skills. It's going to take some time to adjust to what is before me now. It takes time. And often, it's beautiful. one of the fruit of the Spirit is perseverance. And one of the ways that the Spirit of God works in us is by producing perseverance inside of us. Because these things, loss is not a quick fix. These things take time. And so we need to give each other ourselves grace when we don't get to where we want to be in the time we want to get there. And giving ourselves grace sometimes is the most difficult thing to do. We very often give other people lots of grace. We say, oh, give yourself some time. We all make mistakes. Be good to yourself. And then we make a mistake where it takes a while for us to adjust and we're hard on ourselves. Self-hatred and self-pity and shame. But it takes time. And if we offered half of the grace that many times we offer other people, we'd be in a pretty good place. And God is inviting us not just to offer other people grace, to offer ourselves grace. That to adjust to a new reality takes time. It takes some effort to adjust to what's before us. And these 700 men, I assure you, it took time. There's certain things you cannot force. And so these men... Uh, they, they were able to face their loss and grievance. These men were able to uh, enter into a kind of friendship, a bond with one another, because they knew, I cannot uh, face this loss by myself. These men understood uh, patience and perseverance because these things take time. But what I'd say is, I don't know if these men believed in the next thing I'm going to share to you, but this is what I know as followers of Jesus, this is what we should be holding to in the face of loss. To be resilient very simply means not just that we face our losses, not just that we have friendship, not just that this thing takes time, but the way that we are resilient in the face of loss is because we have trusted in the resilient one. We've trusted in the resilient one. The only way we, we, we can truly deeply learn how to fight left-handed beyond these first three things is to trust in the one who is resilient. And Jesus is the greatest left-handed fighter that ever lived. If there's anyone who knows about war, it's Jesus. If there's anyone who knows about being wounded, 
it's Jesus. If there's anyone who knows about battle, it's Jesus. If there's anyone who knows what it's like to lose a right arm, it's Jesus. If there's anyone who knows what it's like to lose a left arm, it's Jesus. If there's anyone who knows what it's like to have your feet crucified on the cross, it is Jesus. If there's anyone who knows what it's like to lose your life, it is Jesus. If there's anyone who knows what it means to be put in a tomb and have a stone covered, it is Jesus. And in spite of his losing his hand, in spite of him having his feet crucified, in spite of him dying, in spite of him going into a tomb and having the tomb covered, he came back. Left-handed fighter. He is the resilient one. And because he came back, the Bible says the spirit of Christ lives inside of you. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you, is in the person next to you. And if Christ has become resilient because his spirit is at work in you, you can be resilient as well. The evil one would say, give up. Stop praying. Stop reading the Bible. Stop going to church. And yet the spirit of God is in us saying, keep on going. Keep on throwing. Keep on attending. Keep on praying. Keep on reading. Become resilient. In spite of our losses, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And so you and I are called to be left-handed in this season of Lent. That when loss comes our way, when pain comes our way, when difficulty comes our way, we trust in the resilient one. Raising our hands as a form of allegiance to say, Lord, I know that you are with me. I know that you are for me. I know that you've never left me. I know that your spirit lives inside of me. And because of all these things are my reality, I will keep on keeping on. I will keep on going. We invite you to raise, everyone, raise your left hand here as a sign of saying, I, I, in spite of the loss that I'm facing, in spite of the pain that comes my way, I will be resilient. I will keep on fighting. I will not give up. Amen. Amen. Let me invite you to close your eyes for a moment. I want to invite the worship team to come forward. Some of you in this room, you've, because of loss and pain and grief, illness and death and divorce, we've lost a vision for our own lives. And yet the resilient one lives inside of you. He's with you. He is for you. And he will empower you to hold on. So I want to give you a moment. Where is God calling you to be resilient? Where, is the, where does the fruit of the Spirit want to cultivate perseverance in your life? Let's just pause for a moment, then we're going to respond in singing to God. But identify that. Face it listen for God's invitation to you today.
Let's pause for a moment. Father, it is so easy for us at various moments of our lives to just want to give up, to not pray, to not attach our lives to you, just go on our own way. And yet this morning you are inviting us to hold on to you, to abide, to remain, even in spite of the loss that comes our way. And so, Lord, in this Lenten season, would you teach us what it means to be left-handed? Would you teach us what it means to be resilient? We sing to you now words of praise. For you are our great God. You are the resilient one. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's all stand. Let's sing together. And we end every gathering Sunday was a time of prayer because that second uh, reason I mentioned why they were able to be resilient was because they had people around them, supporting them, encouraging them, praying for them. And that's what we need. And so this prayer area becomes really a community of resilience for us, praying for us saying, God is with you, God is for you. And so whatever loss, whether it is a major, that has deeply impacted you and has debilitated you and caused uh, great grief, or whether it's a, a minor loss that you're just having a hard time just coming to grips with, God invites us to be resilient, to face that which is before us, Surround ourselves with loving community to realize that these things take time to trust in a resilient one. And so for those of you uh, looking for prayer, stay as long as we need to pray for you. But our prayer team will be here. And to my right, we have the Lord's table. It's the table of the resilient one, broken and bruised for us, poured out, broken, and yet he is alive sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so you can come and receive the bread and the cup as we leave. You can just form a line and head this way. But as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing, knowing that the hand of God is on you, the Spirit of God is in you, and that he will work mightily through you as you hold on to him. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, holding on to God, being resilient, knowing that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So I bless you today in strong, 
in the beautiful, in the resilient name of Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Thank you.